Welcome dear listeners to this week's afternoon satsang. This is Prem from Team Radio Sai and with me is Arvind and we are here to to continue with the beautiful story of Lord Shri Rama that uh, as penned by Swami the Ramakatha Raswani and we are at that point of the story where the war is has been completed Ravana is defeated and and has been killed. It's the time where Mother Sita finally gets to join Lord Rama but the sequence of events that happened before that and of course the return of Mother Sita and Lord Rama to Ayodhya that will be what we will be covering this week but before we go into that as always let us begin by ruminating over the beautiful and necklace name of Lord Shri Rama Sri Rama Rama Rame 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 Manorame Sahasranama Tattulyam Ramanama Varanane Salam dear listeners last week we actually paused the story at a very interesting point in time in fact we had paused it in the middle of bhagwan's discourse because we saw rama doing a very very important and significant thing of placing society over himself placing the good of uh, humanity at large over his own personal interest and gains that happens when rama decides to go ahead with the coronation of vibhishna even before rescuing or you know going and meeting his wife sita this is very interesting because um, lanka is in turmoil the ruler has been killed and it is very important that there be a good and just ruler to take charge of the kingdom because so many lives are at stake and therefore rama gives importance to vibhishna being crowned and he enlists that as one of the first tasks after the uh, funeral of ravana that is very interesting because the whole war apparently was carried out to rescue sita so it would be logical to conclude that the moment ravana is killed the first thing rama will do is rush to ashokvana to meet sita but rama being the embodiment of dharma rama being rama that's all we can say i remember an an example of how swami has written in the ramkatha rasavahini uh, to describe the war between ravana and rama he says that the sky is the sky you can't have any similarity to compare the sky with the ocean yeah. is the ocean in the same way the battle between rama and ravana is the battle between rama and ravana i think the same uh, way we can describe that rama is rama rama is we have no other simile or metaphor to compare rama with so rama being rama decides to go ahead with the coronation of vibhishna first once that is done he sends hanuman 
first you know as a, a messenger again to Sita to find out about how Sita is doing and also to inform to her about the happenings here that Ravana has been vanquished, vanquished and Vibhishna has been crowned as the king. When Hanuman does this, Sita's joy is limitless. She is like a person who has been thirsting for days and a few precious drops of Amrit have been given to her. In that joy, she commends Hanuman. She tells that he is Hanumanta Gunavanta, one of virtues, Balavanta, the one of strength, praises him, gives him many titles. But Hanuman apparently is, you know, is not impressed by all this. He's sitting there with a passive face till Sita blesses him saying, may you be the recipient of Rama's love forever and ever. With this, Hanuman jumps in joy, exults because for a true devotee, the greatest gift is to have the Lord's love and being the true devotee that Hanuman uh, being a true devotee Hanuman seeks this the most and therefore this is a blessing he cherishes the most he treasures the most and he is so overjoyed and we heard Swami narrating this same episode last week and that is the point where we are now currently right and uh, as we say there are two things which uh, Swami says that Mother Sita did but mm. uh, the one which episode which we played was something which Swami told in a discourse but the other episode is even mentioned in the Ramkataraswani where you know, Mother Sita is overjoyed at uh, listening to the news of Ravana's being defeated and uh, more than anything that that, sh- that thought that she is going to return and rejoin Lord Rama at that point she is extremely happy and she says something and she confers a blessing on Hanuman and that is the point we wanted to start with. So we will play that discourse clip where Swami explains this incident. Again, this, this is from the same discourse we played last week, the Shivratri of 1999, 15th of February to be precise. Bhagavantini Prema, Vanale di Kadu, Marche di Kadu, Vilche di Kadu, Harigitche di Kadu, Haripuye di Kadu, Jaripuye Twitri Kadu. God's love cannot be dropped down, it would not drop. On Tuesday, Mangalavara, we worship Hanuman. Anaga, Ramuru, Vijayan Sadinchiradani, Anumantri Parikiti Puyadu, Sitagarki. As Rama was returning successfully after the war, Tali Ramuru Vijayan Sadinchadu. Oh, mother, in fact, we are returning victoriously. Ravana Manam Aipuindi. And Ravana died. He walked the Vinna Tachime Sita. The moment the news was Hanumanta Yinad Yedinamoyamon of Tedidu. Anuman, I don't know what day it is today. Since you have brought this good news, the happy news, victorious news, Mangala Therefore, let this day be called Mangalavara Tuesday. Mangalavaram, Senivaram, Adivaram, In the Treta age there is nothing like Somavara and Mangalavara, Monday and Tuesday. These are the days of the recent times. There is nothing whatsoever in those times. Mangalavara Tuesday is very special to Hanuman. So that is the blessing that Mother Sita confers on Hanuman. That is, she names one day itself based on what Hanuman has done. That is, he has conferred the happy news to Mother Sita and she is so happy. She says it's such an auspicious day. And therefore, she tells Hanuman that I don't know what day this is, 
बट दिस आई विल कॉल एज दी ऑस्पिशियस डे इन संस्कृत मंगलम मीन्स ऑस्पिशियसनेस वारम मीन्स डे एंड देर दैट इज हाउ द नेम हैज कम अबाउट मंगलवारम एंड स्वामी मेक्स एन द इंटरेस्टिंग पॉइंट दे आर सेंग दैट इन दोज डेज देर वॉज नो डेज लाइक सोमवारम मंगलवारम और मंडे ट्यूजडे वेडनेसडे ऑफकोर्स दीज आर ऑफ अ रिसेंट ओरिजिन I as I heard Swami saying that I was just imagining Prem in those days, things would be so different because today we have so many uh, festivals and you know functions and holidays based on festivals like uh, we have Krishna Janmashtami and um, Buddha Jayanti, Guru Nanak Jayanti, all these things. Uh, in that age, all these events have not yet happened, so I wonder how. their annual calendar was like or academic calendar which calendar they followed in fact they had followed a different calendar because if we see valmiki ramayana and even swami ramkatha sabhaini the way the uh, dates or the time is mentioned is so totally different from the way we mentioned time uh, that is a much more broad based categorization of time that spans much many more years as we as i was reading the other day in the sanskrit system of numbers they have got names for um, numbers as big as 10 to the power 64 which we don't have we extend only up to billion or a trillion maybe which is i think less than 10 to the power 15 but they had name even the word padma that we saw i mm. think it was 10 to the power 18 so the very fact that they have got names for such huge numbers shows that uh, in even intellectually they are more broad based they take into account even a a broader uh, in fact you know when they speak about astrology they say that now when you think of you you're talking about your week's zodiac or the month's zodiac mm-hmm. that time they used to go as precise as 1/60th of a second i think mm-hmm. you know, that's how precise you can the, uh, which means uh, ap- apart from going so broad based in terms of right. years they still had highly micro right, pre- precise and you know very minute measurement of time too Mm-hmm. and of course i think there was another article which was circulated sometime back about uh you know the difference between the indian calendar and the the georgian calendar which we usually follow and you will you will know that all the indian calendars are either lunar or solar where they you know follow the patterns in which the sun moves in the sky or the moon mm-hmm. you know has its different phases and they they feel that that's a much much more precise calendar more because you know all of your agricultural patterns are dependent on in the movement of the sun and the moon mm. so in that way they could actually you know without the use of pesticides without the use of fertilizers they could get the best crop because they were you know their uh, cycle when in it comes to nature. yeah in sync with nature in sync with the uh, reproductive cycle of your pests in your uh, you know in the fields mm. and that's why they say that that's much more of a scientific calendar than uh, what we follow today and clearly i'm i'm sure there was no monday tuesday and definitely not a sunday and a weekend off <laughs> during that time so that is how the mangalavaram came into place you know speaking about all this i was i remember reading another article which says that even in terms of computer programming and coding mm-hmm. uh english is not such a good language they say that sanskrit is actually uh, the most perfect uh, language to be used for coding or for machines simply because sanskrit follows a logic there is a perfect grammar every time it's the same it's like uh, you know swami would also say cut is cut but put is put you know the way you pronounce words the way you go about 
in that sense english is very 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 flexible if you see it positively or very very uh, illogical if you see it negatively but sanskrit is so perfect even in terms of the verbs in terms of the nouns the way you know we have the different cases the definitive case and everything is so preset and defined it's perfect and ordered therefore they say it is the most suitable and adaptable even as a machine language because uh, it's almost numerical in its uh, yeah, in fact you know, i was i was seeing a documentary recently you know the number system which we use now we call it as uh, arabic number system right mm-hmm. and we say the zero has come from india and uh, the numbers are supposed to come from the arabian this one but now they are coming to an understanding that there were a lot of scholars in uh, you know that time period in uh, middle east then there was a lot of flourish in, in the study of science and uh, medicine where these people started gathering ideas from different civilizations and this idea of representing the entire nu- number system with 10 digits or 9 digits in fact we I mean 10 uh, different symbols actually came from india they took this concept and then they modified it because you you know they were showing that uh, till then it was the roman numerals where you know if you have to write a number as small as 8 you had to put four characters right so how you I mean how it was so precise to use just 10 10 characters and then you can define numbers as large as as you said even even the padmas and you know numbers as large as that could be defined uh, going along the same line you know in, in another impressive thing about sanskrit that uh, was told to me by our vedanarayan sir who is a sanskrit teacher here who chants veda in the mandir it's amazing you know on another note i just wonder how how his parents named him vedanarayan i mean did they have a premonition of the great good fortune he would be having in future of chanting uh, vedas in the mandir in bhagwan's presence anyway he was saying if you look at even the um, alphabets in sanskrit they are not random you know like in english we have a b c in sanskrit the way the alphabets go they go from they start from deep within and uh, they come uh, means the pronunciation like a a e they all come from uh, inside from your stomach mm-hmm. e e u u the vowels the way they are pronounced and then all the uh, throaty uh, letters then all the letters told with the back part of the palate then the front part finally ending on the lips because uh, you see pa pa ba ba ma all right. of them so the way uh, it has been designed all the alphabets they are all phonetic and the phonetics are also not in some random order they start from deep within from the lowest point uh, in the human body from where the sound can be created and gradually progress upwards till the highest and end point from where sound can be produced so it's so perfect you know it's all the way it has been made and that is the basis for the alphabets in most of the other indian languages be it hindi tamil telugu kannada whatever that's how uh, that is the taken as the basis i mean that is the system based on which this is there in, in fact you know the pranava which we chant om mantra it's supposed to be like that they say when you start with that sound of a you can find the vibration in your stomach, stomach or the navel part and u you can find it near your chest and when you say m it is actually you mm-hmm. can feel that you know vibration in your head hmm when you do m right. yeah so it says that you know it starts from your navel and comes you know through your chest and then as you saying that the last syllable is using the you know the external parts of your uh, you know physique it's so it, that's why it's so wonderful it's so magnificent i feel we have to discover this root back to our roots 
and see how wonderfully uh, evolved and developed things were and uh, in some of these terms i really feel we have devolved and we have to definitely trace back our root to the roots now tracing back our root to the uh, root Sorry. of today's satsang <laughs> yeah so that is when you know um, hanuman rushes back from mother sita to hanu uh, to rama because mother sita is very very eager she is pleading to hanuman you know don't delay any further i have already waited for so long please let me meet my rama let me meet my rama and hanuman knows that last time he had come here he had told sita please you why don't you sit on me i'll take you to rama and she had said no no way i'm going to do this let rama come so <clears throat> she wanted therefore hanuman knows now that though she is pining like this it will be of no use if he tells mother sita let me carry you and take you to hanuman take you to rama i mean i don't know why i'm getting hanuman 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 <laughs> so hanuman therefore says that i will rush immediately and he comes rushing to rama and reports what has happened there at ashokvana and he tells that sita is waiting hearing this rama <clears throat> with his retinue immediately reaches near ashokvana he is on the outer boundaries at the outskirt of this ashokvana and now sita has to come out of the ashokvana to meet him i think that is where another beautiful episode takes place because vibhishana is now the emperor of lanka but he is completely beholden to rama he he in fact proclaims that i am going to rule the kingdom as rama's uh, trusty right i am not the king i am just a trusty rama is the king so therefore this is a very 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 major event in his kingdom that sita is going to meet rama therefore vibhishana rushes to sita and he offers her saying that mother you know you have been so tired here you have been here so long please use the facilities of the palace you know the royal suite freshen up get ready i'll have some silk ready for you you can don that silk the jewels everything you are a queen and you can get ready like a queen and then go and meet the emperor of emperors this is the offer that vibhishana comes up with right and that is when you know once again uh, mother sita shows that how desperate she is you know she's not uh, i mean the finally is a fine living is not something which is in the you know, top of her mind because then she says very beautifully sami writes you know that rama is the most precious jewel i have that one jewel is enough for me seeing him is the bath i shall be satisfied with the prostration i shall do for him is the silk cloth for me i do not like to wear anything that was once ravana's property and you know that that is what she expresses and she says that you know do away with all of these things take mm. me to rama's presence right away yes she says that just having his darshan is like a bath for me and i was thinking the purpose of a bath is to cleanse ourselves and we have often heard this statement darshanam papanashanam how you know just a glimpse at swami burns away at our sins um and we have you know i i feel most of us have even felt this when i say most of us because those of us who have seen swami physically the moment you lay your eyes on him it is something so magical something happens even at a very mundane level you know the problems that are nagging you things that are bothering you all the worries that you are carrying at least for a few fleeting moments they seem to just vanish you simply wonder why is it that i'm bothering about insignificant things all the things which felt so heavy in your heart seem to become insignificant that is the impact of darshan and sita i didn't recognize that therefore she says that you know to wash away and make myself clean i don't need a bath i need the darshan of my lord and 
that is the pining that she has you know reading this description that bhagwan has given how she says that the most precious jewel for me is rama has reminded of the famous meera bhajan you know in which she says rama ratan dhan payo nama ratan dhan payo that i have right. uh, i have got this greatest jewel of the lord's name of the lord i don't need anything else maybe this will be a nice time to just take a break and play that beautiful meera bhajan after which we can go through some of the beautiful lines in that bhajan and then continue with the story
the bhajan that we heard right now is possibly the only uh, bhajan on lord rama that has been composed by mirabai and it's amazing she says that i have got this treasure of the name of lord rama and she says that the speciality of this treasure is like unlike any other worldly treasure the more you spend it the more it grows and she says that if somebody steals it away from you it benefits both the one who has stolen and the person who has got uh, who seems to have lost it because you can never lose it nobody can steal this away from you it will get, never get spent you know it simply keeps increasing day by day on its own so it's like some amazing mind blowing investment that is the kind of wealth that the lord's name and lord's grace is and mirabai shower this profound wisdom on all of us through this song and it's so beautiful and i think that that is a secret that has been recognized by mother sita by the vanaras by hanuman by everyone and that is why they are so successful they are so wonderful they are so happy in fact you know just this morning we were uh, playing the drama on sage valmiki on the radio Mm-hmm. and there is that beautiful scene in that where you know he try he as ratnakara is trying to uh, steal from the saptarishis mm-hmm. and he says you know give me all your wealth and then the saptarishis tell him that you know we do have a wealth which is very very precious but to steal it from us you have to have you know some kind of worthiness which you don't have right now mm-hmm. and then they say that you know the greatest wealth which we have is ramnam and unless you realize that what you're doing is wrong and you repent for it you are not prepared to accept it and then that sequence of events which happens so truly you know how many of us probably in the back of our mind we know that this is the greatest treasure theoretically but, uh, theoretically we know but i think we'll say that yeah let this also be there and you know let's have the other <laughs> treasure and wealth too and i think that's where personalities such as mother sita or even meera stand out because the ability to walk out of the palace and say that i have my wealth and i won't be poor by walking you know by giving up being a princess i think that is that is really putting into practice that belief what they stand for i feel it's a stepwise progress and even if we are in a situation where we are not able to walk away from worldly wealth and say that we have uh, swami the divine wealth i feel even just coming to the level of theoretically and intellectually accepting and uh, agreeing that we are being foolish by pursuing worldly wealth is in itself a first step because uh, there is a lot of cynicism 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 is it what is it cynicism cynicism people are cynical about spirituality and uh, they feel that it's great for those who want to take it up those who take it up are lazy good for nothing foolish but as they say for a person who is intoxicated by the world the god intoxicated man appears like a fool appears like a mad person and for a god intoxicated person the world intoxicated person appears like a mad person so both are mad for each other and when uh, in a discourse bhagwan was mentioning this the question that arises is swami therefore so both are mad or are both mad or which what is it because if both are mad then what is the difference that is when in a disco in that discourse swami clearly said that both are mad but of all the madnesses that afflict mankind god madness is the least harmful and the most beneficial so that's where that is swami stands on it it's very very clear and therefore i really 
pray that Swami, let all of us become mad in this love for God. Because all of us very easily become mad in the love for illusory things. The world, money, whatever. It's really a blessing if we can become mad for God. So therefore I say that even if we have not reached a stage of uh, detachment from the world and madness for God, even intellectually accepting that madness for the world is actual madness and madness for God is a great blessing is a big first step. And absolutely. And you know that's what Mother Sita is saying here. That the only thing which has been taken away from her was you know, her ability to spend time with Lord Rama and that's the only thing which is going to satisfy her now. It's not about, you know, having a ceremonial bath or being dressed in silk and gold and fineries. And that's what she says. And finally, uh, Lord Rama, after having sent Hanuman, he calls Vibhishana Angada and you know, tells them that, let us go to Mother Sita and let us you know, finally meet her. And that is when this very, very important and in fact, in many ways, misunderstood part of the Ramayana comes. Where once, you know, Mother Sita is... Uh, Swami describes the scene very beautifully that Mother Sita is brought in a palanquin and Rama is coming along with Angada Hanum, uh, and the uh, Sugriva and the others and all the you know Vanaras they've fought for I think they were, it must have been over a few months and finally they're getting to see Mother Sita who is the very reason for which they had fought you know everybody is jumping up and trying to get a glimpse of her but Swami says how Mother Sita doesn't even look up she's constantly looking down and and in her mind, she's constantly thinking of Lord Rama. And that is how the scene is. She's coming in the palanquin and Rama is there waiting for her. And Rama, at that point in time, instead of meeting uh, Mother Sita, stops, asks for the palanquin to be stopped and he says that Mother Sita has to undergo the Agni Pariksha or the trial by fire in order to prove her chastity. And as you said, this is the most... Uh, um, debated, criticized possibly not the most because there is another thing that is coming up later that is the exile of Mother Sita but uh, this is often debated a lot about how could Rama do this you know, didn't Rama have confidence in Mother Sita you know, Swami has given a beautiful explanation Swami, it's not actually an explanation that's the statement of fact, that's the truth but even before coming to that you know, Prem, I just felt uh, stating what Swami has written in the Ramkata Rasavani just wipes away all the uh, <coughs> doubts and everything but I just thought simply for an intellectual exercise even before we go into that from a worldly point of view the way we think you know <coughs> Sita is coming here and Rama is telling you know let's let's have her chastity checked uh, by the way <coughs> Agni Pariksha the way it is described is, um, it's, it translates into trial by fire. It is said that a woman who is chased goes into the fire and if she has been chased, she will come out of it unscathed. So, uh, a lot of people tend to disagree with it scientifically because they say, how does purity help you from not getting burnt in a fire? So, to such people, I would like to say that take it metaphorically. You know, if you take it metaphorically, when there are doubts, aspersions or suspicions cast on you, it is indeed a trial by fire. And Satyameva Jayate, truth alone triumphs. If you have been true, if you have been honest, if you have been chased, you will come out of it unscathed. If not, you are going to get burnt in that, in that trial by fire. So, whether we take it realistically or metaphorically, 
that's what it is it's a trial by fire now uh, coming to the explanation of uh, saying that how could rama suspect you know if we read through the ramayana forget ram katha rasavahini forget what swami has written as the autobiographical account read valmiki's ramayana you see how rama is pining for sita and you know how rama sends hanuman and he is eager to know about sita he does all this for sita just think of it premise if at all rama had even the slightest doubt that you know sita is not worth to be rescued because she is not chaste why would anybody put in all these efforts why would anyone put in all these efforts to do all this so even from a very worldly point of view it becomes very clear that it is not as if rama is suspecting sita's chastity it is something more than that something not more than that it's something other than that in fact you know the way valmiki writes it in the ramayana is even more drastic mm. because uh, this very question that you asked you know if he did not believe that she was chaste why would he do all this the dialogue that happens there is that rama says that look i am a king the future generation should not point out to rama and say that he was not a king who was not even you know brave enough to go after the person who had abducted his wife so i have come to clear the name of the ragu dynasty i have come and rescued you now you have i mean you can go your way you know that's literally how it is uh, translated because you know he says that you've been abducted by another man you've lived in the other man's palace for so many years and i i, I can't accept you back but uh, there's another very beautiful thing which is not in the ramayana but in the ramakatha but swami says it in one of his discourses uh, which was told to us by one of our lecturers you know we know that uh, scene when rama goes after maricha who comes in the form of a deer and lakshmana is refusing to go after sita hears the voice of rama hmm. you know which maricha actually calls out in the, in the voice of rama and at that time she starts accusing lakshmana by saying that you know you were an opportunist you are waiting for this chance when you know rama will be away and you know you can uh, fulfill your desire for me and that time lakshmana is really hurt and he goes and when this scene comes and rama starts saying this you know i don't know whether you're chased because you lived in somebody else's uh, kingdom for so many years and sita is like very distraught she said rama is this you who is saying this to me because if anybody knows that i'm pure it's you but you are telling me this and at that time apparently rama reminds her do you did you do you remember the words that you spoke to lakshmana and at that and rama says that you know you also knew the purity of lakshmana but still you spoke those words and uh, rama there was something to be achieved right and rama tells her that even that is karma and that has to come back to you because you spoke those words to somebody as pure as lakshmana today you are getting those words back and you know the thing is the moment rama explains this mother sita is at peace mm-hmm. because she knows there is no intention behind it she just know she knows that you know the words which i spoke is coming back to me and it's the same thing you know when we go through in life when you go through a situation even if you have you know just for the sake of goodness that you have let's say you've been harsh to somebody and even if that is coming back you will not be hurt by it you'll just say that okay no, it's just a, in fact when you know when you have a misunderstanding or a quarrel with someone who is dear to you personally from my uh, experience i have seen one of the most powerful statements more powerful than a sorry is just to go and tell the person that you know that this is not what i intended you know this is what the situation has become and you hate the situation i also hate the situation but you and me both know that this is not what i intended to do and i have seen that because that person is close to you you have got such a good understanding with that person 
it immediately clears the air yes the situation is very unpleasant but yeah going from my life experience with this person i know that this person will not intend to do this to me so therefore you know the moment uh, it becomes clear that the intention was not this all the pain seems to vanish and as you rightly put it that's what happens to sita you know all the all the pain just vanishes and uh, you know uh, this uh, aspect most of us who have experienced the cold treatment from swami we will know it because when those cold treatment days come or hot treatment you know cold treatment is when swami ignores hot treatment is when swami is upset with you or angry with you and he lets it known to you that he is angry with you he scolds you you know in your heart of hearts that this is for my good and and swami knows everything that in itself is the greatest strength you know the moment you know that yeah swami knows everything he knows my heart he knows and yet he is doing it so it must be for my good that is what gives you strength to hold on and the moment sita recognizes the intent she becomes calm as as she had done it to lakshmana at that point in time it was to achieve a specific thing she knew that unless she spoke like that lakshmana would never leave and go she would never get kidnapped and rama's mission would not get completed in the same way rama is doing with a purpose and prem when you said that in the valmiki ramayana it's much more drastic i felt little comforted because my mental theory seems to now match because i use i always felt that when rama knows for sure about the chastity of sita rama knows he'll come unscathed when he is very when you are very confident that something is not going to happen that is when you will make it more and more drastic to get a more powerful impact right i remember in a movie you know there's a there's this movie uh in which the protagonist has been wrongly blamed for murdering someone mm-hmm. and he tries everything in his strength and everything in his uh, way that's the whole movie about how he's trying to prove his innocence it just doesn't happen and you know it's amazing finally how he proves his innocence is he goes actually to the court asks for the weapon that has been condemned like that and which they say that there is there's only one bullet missing bullets are still there in that and it has been shot with that he says okay that is definitely my weapon i agree he goes he picks up the weapon in open court goes to the uh, main judge there puts his gun on the head of the judge and pulls the trigger you know this is the most drastic thing and the gun doesn't fire he says you know because this is how i keep my gun i am very confident i keep it locked there's no way see you said that it has been fired i will have to go into the details of the movie to show that how that proves that he has not done it but if you look at it logically that's the worst possible thing you could do when nobody is ready to believe that you are not the murderer you go in open court pick up the gun and pull it at the head of the judge and pull the trigger but that's what actually vindicates him that's what actually you know makes everyone realize that oh he's innocent the drastic and the dramatic nature of the way he does to prove it is what proves it and here rama is absolutely confident that sita nothing will happen to sita when he's so confident of that as you said you know future generations might speak you know the vanaras themselves may say you know all said and done but you know sita was with somebody else you don't know how pure whatever and rama is sure she'll come out unscathed and therefore he just says yes make it make it dramatic add in fact he rama calls all the vanaras and uh, uh, his own brother lakshmana and tells come on collect wood make a real huge pyre let it burn let you know bring it on because i know she'll come out of it unscathed but the more dramatic i make it the more impactful will that message be on all of you but 
as i said all this is our worldly discussions the moment we read what bhagwan has written in the ramkatha rasavahini it's so beautiful and puts everything at rest and you know one thing before we come to that actual reason is the spirit of the entire episode hmm but this is something which you know we we always have to remember because you know the just by going by the thoughts in mother sita's mind at this point of time you know it would clearly be rama you know my heart you know my you know my nature hmm. if I mean anybody can doubt me but you can't doubt me that is something which you will always feel even towards swami you know when let's say that swami is heard complain from somebody and swami starts coming and uh, you know starts getting upset with you The first thought is, Swami, you can't be upset with me. I mean, anybody can get me wrong, but you can't get me wrong. In fact, Prem, right? why a complaint? Even if something unfair happens to us in life, where Swami is physically not involved, we just say, Swami, you know how good I have been. How can this happen to me? So this kind of crying is not only with physical Swami, even with the divine aspect of right, Swami. Right, exactly. But you know, when, when it comes to Swami being there, you know, you don't want Swami as a person to react to it. No, you Correct. don't mind anybody else reacting. You won't even mind your, you know, your closest family, parents, or you know your brothers and sisters doubting you. But mm. when Swami shows that He is upset with you or He is doubting, you know that really unsettles us. Mm. But I think it, it's the same beautiful lesson which Swami is giving through this, because all said and done, Swami is like a mother. You know, He knows your good, you know, the good part of you. That is between Swami and you. That is not be that will not be questioned. and just like you know rama tells later that i always knew that you're pure and i didn't have to put put you through this but at the same time just as a mother would be so careful about your fame you know she mean the that is something out of control you know if somebody starts speaking bad it's it's done it's it's a tale which has already got carried and even before you can get up to make amends it's already started making its rounds they say gossip travels half the world before truth, truth has even put on the shoes right gets the chance to put on the shoes it's literally like that and that is why sami would say that you know it's not enough if you are good it's important that you also get a good name it is also that you appear good and people should you know because all said and done everybody around sami every character in the ramayana every character which is close to lord rama is meant to be an example is meant to be you know held up high and told that this is how a devotee should be this is how a brother should be this is how a chaste woman is supposed to be so when that is the case i think rama has got to go this extra mile and in showing that these are not ordinary characters that these are exemplary ones prem with those few sentences that you spoke you know you have triggered so many things within me i will try to keep it brief but uh, you know when you say that it's not enough that you are good but you also have to appear good that is so 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 important because you know personally i had a very uh, painful experience but but because i was on the side of the right i came out unscathed and it was a glorious lesson of so much love and compassion from swami there was as you said there was a a complaint against me that you know i was taking somebody of the opposite gender on my bike that happened to be actually be the elder sister of uh, you know my neighbor that is brother amay deshpande and uh, she and her two sons i had dropped them on the bike somewhere but when this reached and when swami came and you know he scolded not me but uh, our director former director that is uh, professor gv saying that you know there are there are boys from your studio is saying girl on the bike and all this as you said i was very very upset thinking that swami <clears throat> anybody can misunderstand that 
but Swami, how can how can you do this? You know the truth. You know that is not the case. You know that I am not taking a girl on my bike. You know it. You know who it is. You know everything. How is it is possible? Actually, that pulled on for a long fifteen days. You know of extreme misery. I will not go into those details now because they are not relevant. But in the end, you know what? It was Swami who came and patched up, and the way Swami did it, it not only you know gave me greater physical opportunities with swami it also cleared doubts from everybody's mind that this person that this arvind was in, indulging in some hanky panky with some woman or something like that everything it cleared that is when one of the senior brothers whom i respect a lot he told me that see arvind this is a lesson all of us have learned at different points of time in our lives and the lesson is swami says it is not enough if you be good you also have to appear good because you know at during one of the conversation exchanges with swami when i told swami sister swami said not your sister uh and i said swami it's it's like i was thinking that swami is not my sister in the sense she is not born to my mother but you know it's like that is the way i consider the next thing swami said is that you know but others don't know others don't know that so it doesn't matter what the truth is how it appears also is equally important and i will conclude by stating a, a poem that swami often uh, uh, quotes he says uh, asthiram jeevanam loke asthiram yauvanam dhanam asthiram dhara putradi means everything is temporary asthiram jeevanam loke life is temporary world is temporary asthiram yauvanam dhanam youth you and wealth are temporary asthiram dhara putradi your wife relations and children all are impermanent satyam kirti dvayam sthiram the only two permanent things are satyam and kirti truth and reputation you know i used to think that swami you should say satya and dharma are the permanent things or satya and prema are permanent why so much emphasis on kirti on fame but apparently it's important because i feel satyam is what you are that is you have to be good but kirti or reputation or fame is how you appear and that is appearing good so therefore when swami says satyam kirti these are the two important permanent things these are the two things that you have to focus on it means we have to be good we also have to appear good and in order to ensure that those who are true to him those who love him a lot just like mother sita lord rama wants to show that mother sita is good and she also appears good because if you are good and the whole society looks down upon you it's it's no use so you know this is what i wanted to share maybe one uh, added disclaimer i'll say that even if there are circumstances when we are good and we are unable to appear good that is still better then not being good and appearing good because that is hypocrisy <laughs> right and i think uh, one more thing it's it's a very difficult uh, uh situation this one this particular episode in the ramayana to understand if you remove the idea that lord rama is divine and mother sita is as divine as lord rama and most often the confusion comes when you look at it as a husband asking a wife to show her purity or you know uh, establish her purity it is not the case lord rama as we have said you know throughout the story he appears human he appears like a king in exile he appears like a man who's lost his wife but all through it is lord rama who is an incarnation of the divine 
and it is mother sita who is as much divine as lord rama and you know it is very important to keep that in mind it's only when we forget that for a moment in any of these episodes which are controversial be it the killing of wali be it this episode or be it the episode which is going to come uh, later in the story when you forget the fact that lord rama is divine you not only f- get confused with the situation you also miss the message in the situation exactly prem see uh, why criticize uh, rama about sita you know i i can easily say that rama why did you allow the vanaras to suffer but we have seen how with one arrow all the fire that is being being breathed out by indrajit and ravana he is able to you know he is able to calm and uh, remove all the wounds there's nothing the same thing happens when sugriva goes to fight with wali he comes back smashed by wali and he he starts how we criticize rama the same way he starts criticizing rama he's saying simply i trusted you rama and look at what has happened and uh, he's spouting out he's saying i knew that i knew i told you wali is so strong i told you it's not up to you means you know it will not be possible but you told i trusted you and you let me down and he goes on like this and swami writes in the ramkatha zavaini how rama comes and just touches sugriva and all his wounds are gone you know they say in hindi jeevan dene wala jeevan le sakta hai the one who confers life can take away life see i and you can't kill somebody because we don't have the ability to give life but for rama it's nothing it's a reversible thing that's what he does with sugriva right he just makes him wholesome in spite of all the injuries that he has received he heals all the vanaras everybody is fine on the battlefield nothing happens to them in spite of the most terrible onslaught by ravana so why will anything happen to sita a person who has the ability to do that ability to give life can take life that is what it is because it's reversible reaction for that person so therefore uh, even in that sense if you see from a uh, a legal perspective he has all the rights he can do it so as you said for that we have to keep reminding ourselves that rama is divine and that is what swami does when he gives his explanation and if at all you want to see rama as human and take this as an example i think we should not forget the fact that where is dandakarnya forest and where, what is the you know the amount of trouble that rama takes to come and get, you know release sita i mean are you ready to be that kind of an ideal uh, husband are you ready to be that kind of a hus- ideal person who's gone to this extent to save a person who is dependent on him and if we are not in that situation definitely this is not something which we can just take out of the book and try to apply in our li- in our life or even try to seek a justification for now coming to the uh, the truth where in the ramkatha rasavahini you know i remember when we were discussing that portion of how uh, ravana comes along with maricha to kidnap sita before that episode happens rama and sita have a talk that is what Uh, Swami has documented in the Ramkatha Rasavahini we, we even discussed that during that episode where Rama says to Mother Sita that Sita now the time has come now the drama has to begin so therefore let us take a vow let us pledge that we will forget our divinity for some time because we have to go through this drama and at that point in time Rama tells Sita that you you place yourself in the custody of Agni or the fire god because Uh, you you will be safe in, in the sense you keep your divine aspect in that and let the worldly aspect which is nothing but an illusion which is nothing but maya let that be here and let that continue because if you 
are in the divine aspect then this whole drama can't take place because there will be no sorrow there will be no separation and that's why even in the ramkatha rasavahini swami keeps writing that it's actually after this point the drama shows emotions though swami makes it a point to clarify and say that you know rama actually is god nothing happens to him but he cried but he felt sad but even this rama had not done before this point in time rama never celebrated the wedding with sita rama never felt sad for anything never rama has been absolutely equanimous but after the kidnapping of mother sita rama also exhibits different emotions there is joy there is sorrow there is tears everything which means that at that point in time their divinity has been purposely kept aside for the drama to proceed so swami writes that that div- that divinity that is what sita is that sita is in the custody of agni and all the travails and troubles and tribulations that mother sita has undergone is actually been undergone by what later authors what many modern authors call as the maya sita or the illusory sita so sita has suffered nothing so therefore now for the original sita to come back the god of fire has to be called upon agni devata has to come the maya sita has to go in has to get burnt away and the fresh the actual sita has to come to lord rama and in order to do this this is a little ceremony that lord rama performs and uh, you know, swami describes the scene in the sense of at this point swami says that vibhishana and sugriva and angada and you know some of these uh, jambavan and some of these senior generals you know they they say that they have seen rama all through and when rama asks for this you know there is a sense of uh, you know wise calm in their in their approach to the situation because they were very very clear that if rama has asked something like this to be done then he knows what he is doing and definitely there's nothing wrong going to happen but you know lakshmana has caught in between because he is here to build the pyre and you know he is i think typically like our mind you know when you know when you're in a problem you always know that swami is there he's going to take care but you also you know you you know play the drama there you also get pulled and as uh, you know one of the speakers would beautifully say you know, even in a dream if you hammer with a hammer you will have the dream pain you know it's mm. not real pain but you will feel the pain in the dream it's literally like that because nobody knows more than lakshmana that rama is divine nobody knows that rama is not capable of harming anybody but still you know lakshmana is so very pained at this moment when he's having to build this fire he's crying but he's looking at rama all the while and he's making this fire and then there is this beautiful words which mother sita speaks to lakshmana she says that you know just like how the moment when we got married when we walked around the fire it's the same fire i see it as the same fire and you know i am sure that this will only make me more purer and more fit to be by rama's side in fact swami writes about even the other vanaras he see hanuman jambavan and others these are some of the wise ones among the vanaras but the other vanaras who have been told to collect these twigs and branches swami writes that without the slightest of exertion or effort they were able to pick up Mountains. huge boulders and big trees to throw against the rakshasas but now even little twigs seem to be so heavy that they are not able to carry it and that's the poet in swami coming out it's obvious that the heaviness is in the heart because of which they don't don't feel like doing anything but it is the lord's command and they have to do it you know at this point in time i feel that it is indeed blessed if you are able to do everything with a smile on the face that it is swami's command 
See, when Swami commands us to do something that is in sync with our own desires or what our own concepts are, we are happy to do it. But if it goes against what we are desiring, we are sad to do it. Therefore, blessed is one who is able to do everything that the Lord commands with a smile, with the same enthusiasm and energy as he would do. Uh, because uh, that shows that that person has truly sublimated himself for the Lord. He has no desires or wishes of his own. And whatever the Lord desires and wishes is a command for him. Right. And finally, the the fire is built and it's it's a really huge fire. And Swami describes how Mother Sita prays to Lord Agni and she says that, you know, if I'm pure, <clears throat> let me come out and you know, reach my Lord. And she walks into the fire and Swami says that the god of fire comes in the form of a Brahmin holding the hand of Mother Sita and then he offers her to Lord Rama. The actual Sita. Right, the actual Sita. As Swami said, the real Shakti which was kept safe in the fire is you know, brought out and then Lord Agni in the form of a Brahmin offers. And this is how the fire ordeal is gone through. And uh, Prem, you see, uh, every alternate fortnight we are discussing the Navvida Bhakti, Shravanam, Kirtanam and we are discussing each as a path in itself that can take you to the divine. We have also discussed it as a stepwise progression. And in that nine step progression, the ultimate is Atma Nivedanam. And you know, Atma Nivedanam, in, we will be discussing that in the next fortnight possibly or maybe the next week. Uh, but Atma Nivedanam actually, Swami says, happens when you give up Deha Bhimanam and you have Atma Bhimanam. And that is what is happening here. Actually, we look at it, this if we if we forget the even that if we forget the divinity part of uh, sita you know this the divinity part of sita makes everything clear it was the maya sita illusion has to be burnt away and the true sita comes that's all it is so simple but even if we leave away the divinity part of sita and take sita as one among the devotees of rama one who loves rama one who has bhakti towards rama this is what she is offering herself completely she is giving up her own Existence, which means she is no longer separate from Rama. She has no existence separate from Rama. Therefore, fire can't burn her, water can't wet her. It's almost like the description of the Atma. You know, fire can't, arrows can't wound it, fire can't burn it, water can't wet it. The example that Swami gives for Atma Nivedanam is Bali Chakravarti. And even if you look at his story, the same thing happens. It looks as if it's a story of the cruelty of the Lord on the devotee. Because Bali is stamped upon by the huge form of Vamana. So you see in all these uh, Atmanivedanam cases it looks as if the Lord is inflicting a cruel punishment of the de- on the devotee but in the true sense the Lord is actually embracing the devotee closest to himself making him one with himself. And very true. In fact, uh, reminded of what Swami would tell you know, when students would there was an intra- interaction where a student had not had food for three days because Swami was not talking to him and you know in a fit of anger he said Swami you say that you have the love of thousand mothers and if you really are a mother you know, had it been my home and I, if I was going hungry my mother would be so pained by it and you know she would come and do whatever it takes to make me eat my food but you don't seem to be bothered at all you are not even asking me why you have not had food and what Swami said was very very beautiful he said I am not your body's mother no, I am the mother I have, I have the mother of a thousand you know, love of a thousand mothers but I am not your body's mother and that is something which is very, very important to remember because the, the, the connection between a devotee and the Lord is not 
confined to a birth it's not confined to one name and form that you have now it is it goes beyond that and that is why you know this is this be it the marriage of uh, rama and sita as we said that's a very very spiritually significant event mm. and same is the case with this you know this is uh, going by that adhyatmik ramayan which we have been saying that rama is the atma and sita is supposed to be the mind which has the knowledge that atma is divine and that knowledge if it has to come back to the individual who has lost it it does not come easily it does not come without the ordeal of fire and that is what actually the spiritual significance of this it's not a simple thing between a husband and a wife it is much more than that it's about an individual finally attaining that that divine wisdom and so dear listeners you know this part of the ramayana where apparently rama is doubting the uh, chastity of sita and sita goes through the agni pariksha and all this is beautifully captured in a song of the telugu ramkatha the ramkatha is actually a cluster of songs in different ragas and with beautiful emotions the entire ramkatha usually runs for about 20 25 minutes and we uh, were very very close to swami's heart and i think different sets of boys have got the opportunity to sing the ramkatha n number of times in bhagwan's presence as a student i myself i think i have seen at least 20 25 ramkathas being sung in bhagwan present swami would love it a lot and it's so beautiful we will listen to that telugu ramkatha song which deals with this portion of the ramayana after which we will continue with what happens how rama and sita return to ayodhya Oh, 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 oh,
ಪದ್ಮೂರ್ತಿ ರಾಮಚಂದ್ರನಿ ಲಾಲಿಕಾ ಪರೇಶಾ ಪತಿಯಾನತಿ ತಲದಾಲಿಚಿಯದ್ವಿದೋಕೆ ಸೀತಾ ಪತಿಯಾನತಿ ತಲದಾಲಿಚಿಯದ್ವಿದೋಕೆ ಸೀತಾ ಉತ್ತವಾಹುಡು ಚಲ್ಲಬಡಿ ಸಾಗಿಂಚನು ಮಾಟಾ ಉತ್ತವಾಹುಡು ಚಲ್ಲಬಡಿ ಸಾಗಿಂಚನು ಮಾಟಾ ಸುರಲು ಪೊಗಣ ಧರಣಿ ಜತೋ ಭುವಿಕಿ ತರಲಿ ರಘುನೇತ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮುಡಿ ಚರಿತ ಮನೋ ತೆಲಿಪೆಡ ಮಮ್ಮ ಘನಶೀಲವತಿ ಸೀತಕಥಾ ವಿನುಡೋಯಮ್ಮ ಘನಶೀಲವತಿ ಸೀತಕಥಾ ವಿನುಡೋಯಮ್ಮ ವಿನುಡೋಯಮ್ಮ ಜಲದಿ ಸೋಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸುಗುಣಧಾಮ ಸೀತಾ ಮನೋಭಿರಾಮ ಸಾಕೇತ ಸಾರ್ವಭೌಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸುಗುಣಧಾಮ ಸ್ಮಿತ ಸುಂದರ ವದನಾರವಿಂದ ರಾಮ ಶ್ಯಾಮಲಾಂಗ ವಂದಿತ ಶುಭ ನಾಮ ಮಂದಾರ ಮರಂದೋ ಪಮ ಮಧುರ ಮಧುರ ನಾಮ ಮಂದಾರ ಮರಂದೋ ಪಮ ಮಧುರ ಮಧುರ ನಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸುಗುಣಧಾಮ ರಘುವಂಶ ಚಲದಿ ಸೋಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸುಗುಣಧಾಮ ಪುರುಷ ರಾವಣಾದಿ ದೈತ್ಯ ವಿರಾಮ ನವನೀತ ಹೃದಯ ಧರ್ಮ ನಿರತ ರಾಜಲಾಮ ಅವಮಾನತ ನಯ ಸನ್ಮತ ಪರಮಾತ್ಮ ಪರಂದಾಮ ಅವಮಾನತ ನಯ ಸನ್ಮತ ಪರಮಾತ್ಮ ಪರಂದಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಸುಗುಣಧಾಮ ರಘುವಂಶ ಜಲದಿ ಸೋಮ dear listeners was that very very beautiful ramkatha song you know as arindu saying the no number i mean there's no count of the any number of times you've heard it in swami's presence we've had so many uh, i think some of my classmates uh, one of my classmates when he was in 7th and 8th standard he was a ramkatha uh, singer he and you know another young boy then we had our own sai krishna who was one of those ramkatha boys and how many times yeah, you know when you two small music college boys who used to sing yeah there. exactly two music college boys but you know and when I you think, listen uh, to this the is a song to which i think uh, possibly i have seen swami even actually crying the most number of times shedding tears mm-hmm. listening to this it's uh, it's 
so it's, it's multifaceted and the kind of impact this is such a beautiful song that no i mean i don't know whether at that point in time i was really moved by the ramayana but i was moved by the way swami would get moved and therefore these songs have become very close to my heart you know you it just makes you wonder where is that that glorious period of cinema gone because you know these are these are all movie songs but when sung in front of swami swami would emote so well and you know swami would be so deeply moved be it this song or the songs from the movie bhakta prahlada which we have seen in swami's presence any number of times you know where is that pure drama gone you it just makes you wonder really we can just keep wondering about it this point in time you know uh, vibhishna comes forward and after the agni pariksha is over rama and sita are united you know sita falls at the feet of rama and it is a beautiful reunion it is such a great joy you know uh, prem another point that came here you know it just reinforces what we were speaking towards the end of last week satsang about it's not so important to hold swami's hand but pining to hold swami's hand we, even when we read ram katha you know uh, more than sita's reaction when she sees rama it's beautiful to observe how sita's uh, emotions and reactions are when she is pining for rama because you know that is i feel that is the greatest thing that is the greatest equalizer because it does not matter how physically close how near you are what matters is how dear you are and while nearness is estimated and uh, measured in the number of interactions you got number of chances you got dearness is measured only by your own pining and therefore nobody else can measure it you yourself can measure it and dearness is what matters as swami would often say no use of being frogs around a lotus which doesn't which don't know the sweetness that is inherent in the lotus it's better to be a bee that stays very far away but whenever it comes to the lotus takes the full benefit of the lotus and swami would say <laughs> there is dearness between the bees and the lotus there is nearness between the frogs and the lotus so therefore i feel this is a very very uh, liberating thought because it takes us out from that uh, self pity and uh, self inflicted misery that we are so unfortunate we didn't get in a we came late even those of us who have seen swami you know possibly we could have come earlier possibly we could have got more no how close we are to god is not decided by how much we got from god but it is decided by how much we pine to get them from god and in that we are all equal all of us have the equal capacity to pine and therefore all of us have the equal opportunity and capacity to go close to god and this particular scene you know where finally mother sita joins uh, lord rama i think it's a scene there's definitely no match to that but many times we've seen it in sami's presence you know when let's say that you know a student who's who's kind of gone through that patch where you know swami is not spoken to him you know he's been in a lot of pain because of that then finally one day swami comes and starts speaking to that boy or you know you know that that's a dramatic conclusion to a uh, uh, rocky ride at that time you, you can't help yourself but feel happy for that moment you know when that moment when a, a devotee finally gets or may, it it could be even you know not in swami's presence say some devotee who's gone through a period of uh, sickness or you know that a miracle has happened and finally that you know that devotee has been removed from that pain that joy that you feel when a devotee's uh you know pain and prayers has been answered by the lord you know that coming together of that pining as you said and that fulfillment of that pining whoever witnesses that will be filled with joy 
and that's exactly what happens here. You know, Vibhishana was seeing this, Sukriva was seeing this, the Vanaras were seeing it. They're so thrilled in this, you know, at this moment when, you know, first of all the ordeal of these months, and then this ordeal of fire, and finally Mother Sita is joining Lord Rama. That Vibhishana is so happy, he orders that the Pushpaka Vimana be brought, and it is filled with jewels and you know, fine clothes and all kinds of gifts. Uh, probably, I think he might have wanted to send it to Ayodhya with Rama and you know, Mother Sita, but Lord Rama is so happy because you know, in a discourse which I don't know where, which was the discourse, one of the discourses where Swami says, I think the discourse which we played during the friendship uh, satsang, Sakhyam, mm. Mm. where Swami says, when the devotee reaches the Lord, the Lord is more happier than the devotee himself. So I think that is the case here because Lord Rama is the happiest that finally Mother Sita's pain has come to an end. So he decides to show his happiness by telling Vibhishna, you take the Pushpaka Vimana high up in the sky and let all the jewels and fineries be thrown around you know, as a celebration so that the Vanaras also can... also possibly as a gift to all the Vanaras who have fought on his side. Now I remember speaking to one of our uh, uh, alumnus brothers who passed mm-hmm. out in the 80s he is uh, Mr. Harish and he is uh, working currently in the uh, Gokulam accommodation at Brindavan in Whitefield. Okay. He is doing that amazing, very simple person, wonderful gentleman, so full of love for Swami. He was narrating how in the year 2000, uh, mm, 2009, yeah, 2009, I think, Swami had uh, done, a, 2010, sorry, so there was this Saptaham and a Sudarshana Homam was performed in Kulvanthal mm-hmm. and he got the opportunity to actually collect the ashes and pack it as vibhuti for all the devotees. Okay. And while he was doing that, he said he found a few, he and the others, they all found precious stones, including diamonds, rubies, gomedikam, all these. You know, and they didn't know what to do with that because, you know, vibhuti is packed, what to do with these stones? So, the next day, the organizers asked Swami, Swami, these precious stones... So it's obvious that during the Purnahuti, Swami has showered all these into mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Yagnakunda, into the flame. So they asked Swami what should be done. Swami said, finders are keepers. Those are, that is my prasadam to them. <laughs> you know, that's how Swami gifted away. That is what, and that is precisely what is happening here because Rama is saying, I don't want these. So just shower them, let them. Let finders be keepers. Whichever Vanara gets, whichever precious stone, whatever silk, whatever, it belongs to them. That is my gift to them. That's my prasadam to them. And uh, that is what is actually done. And the Pushpaka Vimana is taken up in the skies and it is showered on the Vanaras. Now that is Rama's reaction to the Pushpaka Vimana and all the gems. What is the Vanara's reaction? I think that also requires some discussion and some beautiful points are there. So possibly we'll take up take that up in the next Ramkatha fortnight uh, what is what is the Vanara's reaction to all these precious stones and silks being showered on them we will take that up as I said during the next fortnight but before that you know just one more point on this uh, aspect of pining mm-hmm. and I was just thinking if we look at all the great devotees that we wish to emulate be it Tyagaraja be it Annamaya be it Mirabai none of them ever had physical proximity with the God, with the Lord. But what they have achieved is everything. They have achieved everything simply by pining. At the same time, you know, let us look at our own Swami's uh, physical sojourn on earth. How many of us have come into physical contact with Him? 
but how many of us have been able to actually attain what tulsidas or mirabai or tyagaraj or annamaya or the buddha attained that in itself i think speaks volumes on the importance and effectiveness of pining over actual chances or interactions with god I mean, you're talking about the saints and sages. In, in fact, I used to feel that when I'm sitting in the student's block, you know, right in front of Swami and looking at so many of these overseas devotees who would come and sit here. You know, I would always wonder, Swami, what is it that you are giving them that is making them come, you know, so many thousands of miles away, sit and in... so happy. Right, live in pretty inhospitable conditions compared to, you know, the rich mm. countries they come from. But still come here year after year and stay for months together and probably stay so, I mean, sit so far away from you. I mean, I used to feel, Swami, there is something that they are getting which I am not, I'm not getting here. And definitely, you know, that that I mean, pining gives you something which is much, much more than you know, what you get by getting it easily in many ways. With that, dear listeners, we will offer this Ramkatha at the lotus feet of our beloved Bhagwan and also of Hanuman, who is always present wherever the Ramkatha is narrated and sung. We will end this satsang with a, a bhajan, on the other side of which you will be greeted by Brother Chandu Vijay with his segment Loud to Love. Ram Sita.
सीताराम भज भज मन सदा श्री राम राम Oh, oh, oh.